You can open now to your book of Proverbs, the middle of your Bible. We're going to be in chapter 2 today. And we titled this series, The Way of Wisdom. Because as we talked about last week when we kicked it off, Proverbs is really kind of this practical guidebook to your life. There are all these people kind of just figuring out life as we go. And if we're all honest, uh, not all of us know what we're doing. And we need a lot of help. And so that's what, what, what wisdom is. It's, it's this uh, tool that God gives us, this gift that really guides us along through all these different phases and situations of life. And so all of us here today are in these different uh, seasons of life and different situations. Some of us came in this morning uh, jovial, where the sun was shining and everything was just working out in your life, and others may can't have come in with a lot of problems and a lot of pain. But no matter where you're at, wisdom is designed uh, to speak to you and to guide you. And we may all read the same proverb and glean the same wisdom, but it will lead us to different situations and outlooks and perspectives in life. There is a way of wisdom for all of us, and it's found uh, through God. And with wisdom comes a lot of benefits. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of ways your life will improve. And it reminded me of those kind of cheesy infomercials that we've all seen a billion times, where they're pitching you this product that you never knew existed, but by the time they finish, you're certain that you need it, because it's going to change your life in the most amazing way, and it always starts with the benefits and ends with the condition. But uh, some three, that, uh, three of them that I remember uh, just recently and growing up, now one of them is the fat magnet. It's about 10 years ago I remember watching this, and I was pretty skeptical of it then. I still am now. But it's this thing you can just kind of wave above your food, and it will remove all of the fat, cholesterol, and calories instantly, it says. And they promise this healthy life with zero effort. Now, if you're looking for Father's Day gifts, I, I saw from the video a lot of those uh, kids appreciate the way their fathers cook. Maybe, maybe this is something for you there. Uh, another one from the 80s or early 90s, the Floby. Remember this one? It's like an attachment. How many of you have a Floby? Any of you? Is it? Mark? Okay. Yeah, I, I can see it. Yep, yeah, yeah. And I always thought, generally speaking, like attaching a hair mulcher to a vacuum is just a bad idea. Uh, they stopped selling this, I think, maybe for good reason. But this is another one, just convenience to your life. And the third one I'll show is really for the person who already has it all. Uh, the potty golf, all right? This is probably the most appropriate image I could find for this today. But again, if you're looking for that last-minute Father's Day gift, maybe, maybe this is it. But all of them kind of do the same thing. And they promise these great things for you, and it can all be yours for only four easy payments of $99.99 plus shipping and handling, right? They give you the conditions at the end, but by then you're so sure you need it that you just call them and give them your money. But what we're about to read today is kind of like uh, Solomon's sales pitch for wisdom, except it's a whole lot less cheesy and a whole lot more truthful, but it's all that you will gain from wisdom. But he starts with the conditions you have to meet, and it really reads as one big if-then statement, these, these 11 verses. So if you're uh, not already there, let's flip to Proverbs 2, and we'll read chapters, uh, verse, verses 1 through 11. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, 
turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. So as I said, he kind of starts with the conditions, the if part. If you do these things, then you'll experience the benefits of wisdom. And so in the first four verses, we see four steps, four practical steps toward godly wisdom. And the first is found in in the first part of verse 1. My son, if you accept my words. And so that step is that we have to accept and trust God's word. And you might say, well, Solomon is talking about his words and he's talking to his son. In a way, that's true that he's addressing the crown prince right now, the one who is presumed to be king one day. But if you remember from last week, all of this, the wisdom that Solomon received was not his. It came from God. He asked God for it. And as a divine gift, it was given to him. And now he's imparting his wisdom to the Proverbs to anyone who reads it. So even though he's addressing his son here, it's really addressing all of us. All of those who read Proverbs will glean God's wisdom. And so the first step toward wisdom is accepting God's word. Accepting and trusting God's word. And this is really the most basic foundation of wisdom. If you don't meet this step, then no amount of asking or seeking wisdom is going to pay off. You have to accept God's word as truth. And so if you don't meet this condition, nothing else that follows will matter. We all have this turning point in the road, this fork in the road of who ultimately is going to rule our lives. What is our source of truth going to be? It could be God's timeless, unchanging, and perfect word, or it could be whatever you're feeling in the moment or whatever other people are telling you. The most prevailing thought in our society is that you can determine your own truth and that what you feel in your heart should guide you in that moment, but it actually leads to a lot of pain and destruction in people's lives, pain that's avoidable. The first step toward wisdom is accepting God's words as truth. And even though it might inconvenience you, it might be in conflict of what you feel, we cannot ignore it because that would be uh, convenient to us. Believe, accept what he says. And it doesn't mean you have to know everything, Because you can study this book your whole life and not know everything, but you need to accept what you know. 
Step number one. Step two, the next condition. Accept the words and store the commands within you. Turn your ear towards wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. So it's not just accepting God's words. Step two is to remember his words and to apply it into your life. Now, statistically speaking, people forget 90% of what they hear within 10 minutes of hearing it. So today, I'm going to be sharing with you about 4,000 words. Before the end of the sermon, you're going to forget 3,500 of them. Okay, and after an hour, it's like 99%. And after a day, it's pretty much everything. Now, it's kind of depressing for me to realize. But it shows to you how quickly we forget. Things go in one ear and out the other. And so we need to work towards remembering things. And when you store up God's words, then there's payoff for it later. And that might mean writing it down. It might mean repeating it to yourself or talking to someone else about it. There's ways you can remember stuff. But to store up here doesn't mean to lock away, like you would think uh, putting in a lockbox or something. But it really means to collect for a purpose because you find value with it. We think about storing up to avoid disaster. Kind of like, you remember March 2020? right, when we were first learning what the word COVID was for the first time, and people are figuring this whole thing out, and people are storing up dry goods and canned goods and gasoline and a toilet paper for whatever reason. Remember that weird part of uh, recent history? You couldn't find toilet paper for two months, right? But that's the idea is that people are storing stuff up because they found it valuable because they wanted to avoid potential disaster. And that's the same thing God asks us to do with his word is to remember it to store it in our hearts because at one point it's going to become useful for you. And when you memorize scripture, there's many different ways you can do it. It pays off in those moments. When you have that challenging situation or you are tempted to be fearful or angry, God's word can hit you. And when it stores up in you, you can remember it in the moments that you need it, which then allows you to apply it. Now, knowing things is great. Applying knowledge is what makes it wisdom. And at the end of Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, this is Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he spends a long time talking about a lot of things, a lot of wisdom. He ends with a parable of the wise and the foolish builder. Wise and foolish. Kind of sounds familiar, right? That's the two main characters in the book of Proverbs. And he says the foolish person is, is like a builder who builds their structure on sand where they can build it as big as they want. But as soon as storms come, wind and rain and whatever, there's no foundation. It'll just blow over. Okay? But the wise builder is the one who builds. They're building on a rock. So it withstands all of these storms. And he says, the one who hears my words and puts them into practice is like the wise builder who builds on the rock. That's wisdom. Jesus is reinforcing what we're reading here is that you remember and apply this wisdom in your life. You apply your heart to understanding. And the heart is really the center of all you do and all you are in this context. That wisdom guides you. And you apply everything you do and everything you are to God's understanding, his wisdom. So that's the second step. Remember 
and apply God's word after you accept it. The third, as we see in verse 3, is to pray for wisdom regularly. And it says here to uh, call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. And the words for call out here really have this connotation of like someone lost in the dark, of saying, help, I don't know where I am. Someone come get me and cry aloud. It's the same thing as this idea of you, you're desperate for it. And the word for insight really means to be able to see the situation you're in with truth, to understand what it is you're seeing. And we're going to have a lot of different situations in life that don't make sense, or we think we know exactly what we're seeing and what choice we're about to make. But in reality, we often don't know by ourselves. We need God's help to be able to see our situations clearly. And so you to regularly pray for wisdom, not just a one-time activity, but day by day, moment by moment, ask God for his wisdom. Call out and cry for understanding. And the same verse we uh, talked about last week applies here again, James 1.5, that if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God for it, who gives generously to all without finding fault. God wants to share his wisdom with you. And when you ask for it, there's two benefits. First, you remember that you don't have it inherently, that you need it. And second is to remember the source from where it comes from. And you develop a relationship with God the more you ask for wisdom. And this is somewhat lockstep. It first starts with knowing, accepting, uh, applying God's word to your life, and then asking for wisdom and guidance and the rest. And the reality is that there's a great foundation of wisdom in here that kind of provides the baseline for your life that you can stand on. Now, not every decision you're going to make is going to be detailed in the Bible. And this, this example of that is who you are to marry. All these kids, I don't know, maybe you're going on these uh, trips and thinking maybe there's a future spouse in the group with you. That's possible. Probably not. But it's possible, Right? And maybe you're going to date someone for a couple years and say, should I marry Jane or Timmy? Well, that's not in the Bible. That's something you should pray about. But there is a great baseline of wisdom. It tells you what kind of qualities you should look for in a spouse, what your marriage should look like, what kind of goals you should have. And that might narrow down the choices for you. So you kind of have this pyramid approach, knowing his word, and then praying about those little decisions. And every single one of them, ask God for wisdom. The last step, the fourth step, is to seek it, to pursue it. Seek wisdom and value it above your own understanding. From verse 4, that you're to look for it as silver and search for it as a hidden treasure. And so this tells us two big things. One is that we don't currently have wisdom that we're continuing to pursue it our whole lives and ask God for it. And this really shows kind of our effort in the equation, is to look for it. It also tells us that wisdom is valuable. It's like a hidden treasure. It's just something we don't have, but we certainly want in need. And that it goes above our own understanding of the world. And one thing that fascinated me in high school was the gold rush. I remember in uh, my civics class or social studies or whatever, we had to choose one thing. I chose the gold rush because I was just fascinated 
by all of these people leaving everything they knew in search for the promises of gold. And, and I remember in 1848, the population of California was 800. Eight, not 800,000, 800. Okay? And by the end of 1849, it was over 100,000. So droves of people were coming into California for the promises of gold and left behind everything they knew their lives, their jobs, their homes, their possessions, their friends, into this wild and rugged land. A dangerous journey. They spent all their life savings to get there. There's this great risk in pursuit of their dream to find gold. Why did they sacrifice so much? Well, it's because they believed that what they were searching for was more valuable than what they left behind. And that's how we are to view wisdom that we are willing to leave behind our own understanding, our perceptions, our logic, our feelings, our personal values in pursuit of something greater, which is God's wisdom to guide us through life. So that's step four. Accept God's word, remember and apply God's word, ask for wisdom, and then pursue it as something valuable. So there's the conditions, there's the if part, and now we get into the then part, the benefits of wisdom. And we're going to start with verses 5 and 6. So if you do all these things that we just read, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. The biggest benefit of wisdom is knowing God. Okay, and we talked about the fear of the Lord last week. That's Proverbs 1, 7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom. And fear, again, doesn't mean like this cowering, I'm afraid of God fear, but in most simple terms, it's a healthy relationship with God. And it's built on a trust and a respect of him. It's built on obedience and most of all built on love of him. Knowing how much he loves you, you can love him back by fearing him. Knowing that he is God and you are not. So if you do those four steps, then you will begin to understand the fear of the Lord, a healthy relationship with him. And you will find the knowledge of God. And this can mean uh, two things, but they really mean the same thing. The knowledge that God can give you and the knowledge of who God is. Because wisdom defined is God. So the more wisdom you get, the more you know of God. So here's the big benefit to all this. It's not just having an easy, fun, safe life. The biggest benefit to wisdom is to know more of God's mind, heart, and will. I tell you what, there's a lot of pain and confusion in this world, but most of it is rooted in not knowing who God is. Maybe expecting him to be something different than he's not, or thinking he made promises that he never made. And as you know more of God, his mind, heart, and will, it really unlocks life for you. You understand why you're created, and you understand how you are to live, and it, it makes sense of the world. You're going to have better relationships. You're going to be in better situations. You're going to have less struggles in life. You're going to be a better uh, father or mother, a better spouse, a better worker, a better citizen. Most importantly, you're going to be a better disciple. 
the more you know God, the more your life kind of gets unlocked to what it's supposed to be. And if you think of God as something else, it just leads to frustrations and hardships. And a lot of people think that God is kind of this divine Santa Claus, right? So if you just believe really hard in him, he'll exist. And if you do all of the good things and stay on the nice list, you'll get what you want. That's probably the most prevailing thought of who God is. And so if a hardship comes, you don't understand why. Others on the opposite side might think that God is this distant bully who just picks on me, and I have such a hard life, and he must not like me. In reality, it's, it's probably because of their own bad choices that they're experiencing hardships. But the more you know God, you know that he is a benevolent, gracious, merciful, all-loving God with great purpose behind everything in your life. And why did I choose the words mind, heart, and will here? Well, I'm going to look ahead and kind of pair this up with verses 9, 10, and 11, which I think kind of complete this thought. In verse 9, that you'll understand what is right and just and fair in every good path. That helps you understand the mind of God. What is right and what is wrong? How do you reconcile what has been wrong to make it right? What is fair and equitable for people? It's something we can't choose for ourselves. But when you know the mind of God, when you know what is right and wrong, your life is going to improve. You know his heart, verse 10. Wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. And this is one of the cool benefits of wisdom. It's not just about making good choices and experiencing a good life. It's about you changing. It's about your life and your heart changing before God because of his wisdom. You know what God loves. And then you begin to love what God loves. That knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. And our faith essentially becomes this heart transplant. That we become new people in him. New character, new qualities, new values. Our heart changes as we know God's heart. In verse 11, discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. That's, that's God's will. Right? We talked about discernment, which is knowing right from wrong. Discretion is about putting that knowledge into practice and making good choices. It's about having sound judgment. And when you don't know, should I go this way or should I go that way? Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you or guide you. Knowing God's will is one of the greatest things we can come to. And it's a lifelong process. We are continually discovering it. But it leads us to making wise choices and having sound judgment. So the greatest benefit of wisdom, as we said, doesn't mean that you have more information. It means you know more about God. And when you know God more completely, it changes your life in all of the best ways. Second benefit of wisdom, we're going to read Proverbs 7, 2, 7, and 8 here. That he will hold success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk, whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. What this tells us is that wisdom grants us protection from potential adversity or disaster in our life. And I'm not talking about natural disasters like a tornado or a flood, but these life-changing disasters that typically come through some kind of self-inflicted wound. 
And we all have the capability of saying and doing some stupid things that can fracture relationships, that can get us fired from a job. Some things we might see the warning signs coming from a mile away and we do it anyway. Other times we get sucked into things without knowing. And you can have addictions or affairs that turn life upside down. And what we read is that God's wisdom can protect you from those things. Sometimes we get mad at God about the difficulties in our life. And really, we should be mad at ourselves because we weren't following the ways of his wisdom. Now, this, is, this idea is spoken about many times in the Proverbs. In Proverbs 3, 1 and 2, it says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Looking forward in, in chapter 9, verses 10 through 12. Same idea. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many, and your years and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you're a mocker or you're a fool, you alone will suffer. Now, one important caveat to unpack with Proverbs is that they are guiding principles, and they speak really to the general rule of thumb. So it's kind of like nine times out of ten, or 90 times out of 100, if that sounds like more to you. Uh, These things are going to work out, and they're going to play out, and you're going to be able to avoid these pitfalls. But there are times that you can make all of the right choices and do all of the right things, and yet hardships will still come. Because the reality is there's people around you who are making foolish decisions. And because of God's divine reasons, he allows hardships in our lives for specific purposes at the time. So that's one thing you have to keep in mind is this isn't some guarantee that you'll have an extremely easy and long life if you live with wisdom. But more often than not, you're going to avoid these pitfalls and these adversities. But it really protects you from your own folly, your own foolishness. And again, we have many temptations we face in this life to pursue foolish things. Wisdom wards you away from them and helps us to understand what is right, just, and fair. And we have this ability to do a lot of good or a lot of evil, to build up or to tear down in life. And when you make bad choices, you suffer oftentimes bad consequences. Wisdom is seeing with insight. It's understanding your situations clearly and knowing what your choices may lead to. And in many ways, we can avoid great pain in our life. Wisdom helps you see the traps of foolishness and avoid being caught in their consequences. Protection from potential adversity. Wisdom is going to be one of those things that you're going to be a lifelong student of. And if you're ever at the point where you think you know everything you need to know, biblically that makes you a fool, right? But as you go through these four steps, how do you get wisdom? Accept God's word. You need to uh, remember and apply God's word. 
You need to ask for it regularly through prayer and then pursue it in every situation of life. Then you'll experience the benefits, which is to know God more and to avoid potential disaster in your life. And one thing I want to uh, mention, we're going to take a couple-week break from the Proverbs. We'll get back into it after July 4th weekend, and we're going to get uh, really into the Proverbs themselves uh, for the rest of the summer. One thing you can do, uh, a little trick many of you know, is that there's 31 books or 31 uh, chapters in the book of Proverbs. There's often 31 days in the month. So if you want to know a way to get into wisdom, just figure out the date. Today is the 19th. And so you just open up to Proverbs 19 and read what's there. And I would challenge you if you do that, find one proverb that sticks out to you. And most proverbs are between 8 and 10 words. Commit it to memory that day. Once on the hour, recite it. And by the end of the day, it will probably be cemented in you for you to remember that, that proverb. Challenge each other to that. Maybe you're in the same household. Challenge each other to be remembering these proverbs so you can apply it to your life and experience the benefits of wisdom. Let's pray as we close. Well, God, I, I thank you for all the ways that your wisdom guides us and instructs us and in, in all the uh, gifts that you give us. But most importantly is the ability to know you more. That's the purpose of our lives. And so, God, I pray that we as a faith community would stand on those principles, those invitations, those commands uh, to really seek your wisdom and apply it to our lives. God, make us a wise people that are content in who you are and what you have for us. God, that we can live out these benefits of wisdom in our own life. So I pray that for each of us individually. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.